Praise the Lord. This is yet another Sunday we can worship the Lord. And can you imagine we are already in the fifth month of the year? It's time just flies so fast and now we are already on the second day of May. And we are continuing on our emphasis of uh, relates, uh, relating to God, relating to one another, relating to ourselves. And in focusing on relates, in my first message to you, I talk about the, the, uh, that, that the good Christian character, good Christian conduct are necessary in order for us to relate well in every aspect of our life. And of all the, good, of all the Christian characteristics and conduct, and I mentioned that kindness uh, is one of the key characteristics that will influence the other areas of our life and our conduct as well. And this morning, I would like to deal with another trait that will have an effect in every aspect of our relationship to God, to man, and to ourselves. Now, I believe many of us here drive, right? And uh, perhaps in your driving experience, you have encountered some real issue with other road users. And driving can be a pleasure, but it can also be a pressure. It can be very, very stressful on the road. And somehow when Malaysians are behind the wheel, we become a different person. And some even commented that, well, some have turned into demons. Whatever it is, you know, I'm not sure whether it's due to stress or whether it's due to the pressure of life. Road rage seems to be getting more and more, what you call that, frequent nowadays as compared to earlier days, which is very, very alarming. And recently, I read of a news about a man who lost seven teeth because of root rage, right? Because someone else just simply cut in and, you know, he just kind of uh, reprimanded the person and this guy got down with an iron rod and, you know, uh, 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 hit on his windscreen and also, you know, uh, uh, break down the, the windows and beat him with the iron rod. As a result, he lost seven teeth. Can you imagine? Wow, that is road rage. And somehow road rage affects everybody. And for those who committed road rage, surprisingly, uh, it's not just to a particular group of people. It's cut across different age bracket, whether they are white-collar or blue-collar workers, uh, at the different uh, strata of society. A different ethnic group, you are just surprised that so many people cannot control their emotion and they committed this intimidation against other road users. And besides road rage, we also read of news that some people got into heated argument. Maybe, you know, at the eating place, maybe with their neighborhood, or maybe with people that stay together. And as a result of this heated argument, it goes into a fight. And unfortunately, sometimes people do get killed. What is the issue with all this behavioral problem? And when you ask people who committed this kind of a crime, they will say that they have no intention to cause hurt. It was not something that's premeditated, but somehow they lost their cool. At the spur of the moment, they did something they never thought of they themselves would do. In other words, they lost self-control. They lost self-control. And this is the topic I would like to address this morning, self-control. 
Self-control is very important in our daily dealing with people. The lack of self-control may lead to something that is undesirable or even regretful, like what I have mentioned just now, road rage, beating up people, or even killing somebody. But what is self-control? Well, different people can give you different definitions, but generally, something together, especially from the biblical point of view, self-control is the ability to control or to manage or to even restrain our feelings, our emotions, our desires, our passion, our action, especially in difficult situations or when we are facing temptation. These are the times that we need to exercise self-control. Now, the exercise of self-control it's very important in our Christian work and in our Christian development. And that this verse that I would like all of us to read together with me, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Proverbs 25, verse 28, read together, it says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Read it again. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Let me ask you what happened if a city is with broken down walls. Of course, this is uh, written in reference to ancient days whereby cities are all walled up. You know, they have a gate, you know, the city gate to prevent people from coming in uh, unnecessary, to prevent people from attacking. They will close the city gate. But you realize that a city with broken down walls means that the city is without defense. Robbers can come in, enemies can come in. They are, you know, vulnerable, right? Enemy can easily attack them. So similarly, a person without self-control is defenseless against the attack of his own personal impulses, of his own personal passion, of his own personal negative emotion, etc. and etc. So you realize that people that is without self-control is are not able to defend themselves, and as a result, they can fall into temptation easily. All of us as human beings, we are weak and vulnerable. We face temptation, and when we have no self-control, you realize that easily we can fall into temptation. On the other hand, a person that self-control is one who is sensibly minded and balanced. Do you remember Paul told Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but he has given us the spirit of love, power, a sound mind, or it can be translated as discipline, self-discipline, or self-control. So a self-controlled person has a balanced lifestyle because he's able to be sensible, he's able to put his life under proper control. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, Again, Paul says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Just as athletes need to exercise self-control in their daily lifestyle, if they want to be competitive, if they want to win the race, or if they want to win certain championship, they want to reach the goal, they have to exercise a lot of self-control in their diet, in their exercise, in their, you know, daily activity. And of course, recently, Malaysians are very proud because we have a new all-England champion, you know, and he is very young. And sometimes I was wondering, you know, at such a young age, he can reach that 
uh, stage of his career is really something. But have you ever thought of the threat right, that he had to put in, the self-control he had to exercise in order to, to reach that stage? Especially when you watch his, you know, turn around, backhand smash that was so deadly, so powerful. You wonder how many hours he had to put into just perfect one skill. Self-control is very necessary. So, in order for us to do that, we have to exercise self-control. To exercise self-control means to discipline ourselves. It also means that we have to set boundaries. Set boundary means there are things that we have to restrain ourselves. We know there's no good for us. We are not going to do it. Just like any athlete, any sportman, they know there's certain food they are not supposed to take. They don't take. So they have to set boundary for themselves. Or maybe no nightlife or so on and so forth. And submit ourselves to the working of the Holy Spirit. So a lack of self-control will lead to a reign of fleshly passion, fleshly desire. If we don't exercise self-control, we will give in to those passions. And this fleshly desire or passion will instead take control of us. But what are we talking about when we talk about fleshly passion? It can refer to any attitude or any behavior that stumble our walk with God and also stumble our growth. In Christ, it may be sexual desires, it may be careless tongues, it may be fit of anger, fit of rage, it may be jealousy, it may be greed, or many others. And all these things will bring us down if we do not master over them. But if we exercise self control at the very start of a problem, it will save us from all kinds of trouble later on. The lack of self-control has a far-reaching effect in our relationship, not only with God, but with others and also with ourselves. And I will show you how later on. And today I want to look at two biblical examples to show how one can get into big trouble if he fails to exercise self-control. So firstly, the lack of self-control will lead to sin against God. It will lead to sin against God. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 to verse 4 onwards. Here is the account of how David committed adultery with Bathsheba. I believe this is an account that many of us are familiar with, but for those of you who may be new, just let me tell you that David was a king. King David, you know, one day where people were going out to war, but as a king, he stayed back home. He went up to the rooftop and he was just relaxing himself. And then, you know, when he looked down, he saw this beautiful woman, Bathsheba, who was bathing. And when he saw her bathing, it aroused his fleshly passion. Now, David could have controlled his passion and turned the other way. At the moment he noticed this beautiful woman bathing, he could have just turned the other way without looking at it. Right? He might have caught the very first sight accidentally, but he could certainly control his second look. But he didn't. He was probably enjoying the scene. He looked some more. And the more he looked, the more he desired. And it aroused his sexual passion. And what happened? He gave in to that passion. The result is, because he saw, it aroused his desire, he coveted. He coveted and he committed adultery. He called for Bathsheba. 
you know, he had the king, he got the power, he called for Bathsheba, Bathsheba and he lied with her. And therefore, later, when Bathsheba found out that she was pregnant, she informed David about it. Now, what would David do? He was a king. He had a good reputation. He was supposed to be a God-fearing king. He loved God. He loved people too. But what is he going to do? David wanted to cover up his sinful deed. It's going to be very shameful if things are going to you know, spread across the nation. You know, our king committed adultery with one of his you know, a, a, a soldier's wife. Wow. It's really a big scandal during that time. And therefore, David came up with a scheme. Uh, his scheme is to bring Uriah, who was Bathsheba's husband, to bring him back home from war and say, hey, you know, guy, you work very hard. Why don't you come back? I give you a holiday. You go home, relax with your wife, and enjoy your wife for a day or two. So David thought, if I'm going to bring him back, he's going to go home. He's going to enjoy with his wife. And so people would think that the baby that Bathsheba conceived belonged to Uriah. So nobody will ever thought that it belongs to King David. Very good plan. But unfortunately, Uriah was a very faithful and devoted and dedicated warrior and fighter. He refused to return home. He said, King, I'm very glad that you know you just allow me to come back here and relax for a day or two that I don't have to go to battlefield. But how can I go home and enjoy my wife when my fellow soldiers are there fighting? He said, no. So what did Uriah do? Instead of going home to sleep with his wife, he actually slept at the entrance of the palace gate. And the next day, David encouraged him to do the thing, but he refused. You see, he was such a loyal soldier to the king. And therefore, David planned A failed. So what happened? His plan B was to get Uriah killed in the battlefield. So sad. He sent him to the front line, and he asked the rest of the soldiers to move back and allow him to be killed by the enemy, and he succeeded in doing that. You see, David misused his authority and abused his power as king. Sound very familiar. Whatever it is, he committed murder. So one sin led to another, all because David failed to exercise self-control right from the beginning. He could have stopped at the point of seeing Bathsheba bathing. He could have stopped at the first look. But even if his sexual desire was around at the very first look, he could have called for his own wife and sleep with her instead of calling for somebody else's wife. That was David's problem. He was without excuse. He had truly sinned against God. So in this case, the lack of self-control caused David to sin against God in adultery in murder. The lack of self-control can cut us off even from the presence of God. David tried to cover up his sin, but God exposed it. God exposed it through a prophet, Nathan. And when David found out that he could not hide from God anymore, immediately guilt and shame came upon him, and he became guilt-stricken. He became very sorrowful at heart. He has no more joy because of the weight of guilt that came upon him. Thankfully, the Bible tells us that David repented. He repented and he wrote Psalm 51 to express the sorrow of his heart. And he described his emotion. He described his anguish in Psalm 51, which I would like you to turn to Psalm 51. 
And you can also follow along as I read to you. That's on the screen here. Let's first of all look at verse 3 and verse 4. This is how David expressed himself. He said, For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. In other words, he could not sleep well. He has sleepless night because of the things that he has done. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You see, all sins are sin against God. Move on to verse 8 to verse 11. Verse 8, is say, Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. He has lost his joy. Sure, whenever we sin against God, when guilt and shame come upon us, you realize that you cannot rejoice. You realize that you are not happy at all. Uh, you realize that you have done something wrong. Right? So he has lost his joy. He was sorrowful. He said, don't keep looking at my sin. Remove the stain of my guilt. So he felt so guilty. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. He wanted to start fresh. He wanted to make right with God. He asked God for forgiveness. Verse 11, do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Wow. I find that this is very, very impactful when I read this because he is saying that he could not experience God's presence because of his sin. He said that please don't banish me from your presence. What kind of terrible feeling it is. And he said, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. When you cannot experience God's presence as a believer, it's a terrible feeling, isn't it? Have you ever experienced that before? In your down moment, you want to pray, your prayer just hit the ceiling. You want to worship, but there's no breakthrough. You want to praise, but you just cannot because you're just not joyful. You are just so downhearted. You just don't feel the presence of God. Sometimes you wonder, God, where are you? Please forgive me, where are you? And that was exactly the terrible feeling that David was having. So all sins are sinned against God. And in David's case, it was a sexual sin. Uh, the, the inability to exercise self-control self over the sexual desire. But of course, this is not the only area where people have problems with self-control. Yours may be a different areas. Ask yourself, which area of your life do you have problems with self-control? Could it be anger? Rage of anger? I mentioned to you just now, road rage, people just suddenly get angry. Some people have very short fuse, we call it. They are very impatient. And get angry easily. Anything can just trigger off the anger. Very, very hot temper. And they can even express their anger in a very visible and even violent way. Maybe slamming the door, maybe banging the table, maybe shouting, beating, fighting, and even killing. How do you express your anger? Do you have the rage of anger that sometimes you, you just find that you lose yourself? And after that, you just regret, hey, what did I do just now? Why was I so angry over small matter? And you know, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 has something to say to people who cannot control their anger. Proverbs 16, 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Very similar to just now we have read. Uh, Proverbs 25, 28, just now we read, it says that uh, the person who exercises self-control, 
uh, the person who cannot exercise self-control is like a broken down wall. And, but here is the reverse. If you are slow to anger, if you are able to rule over your spirit, right, you are better than the mighty. It's, you are better than the one you know, who can take a city. So ruling our spirit is so important so that our personal world will not break down. So that it will not be easily, you know, allowing Satan or the devil to have an attack, a stronghold in our life. So do you have anger issue? Do you often have uncontrollable bursts of anger? If you do, that means you fail in your self-control in this area and you need help. I want you to take heed that anger is a very dangerous emotion. It can lead to serious consequences. What other area that people fail to exercise self-control? The tongue. Some people cannot control their tongue. They just enjoy gossip. And some are good at attacking people with their tongues, with their words. They're cutting people down. Some people use their tongue to defame, to tear down. The Bible says the tongue is a restless Evil is a restless evil, and we as believers must learn to control it. We must tame it, control it, and tame it. What about other feelings, other areas that you lack self control in the area of jealousy? Jealousy is another very dangerous emotion. Jealousy can lead to suspicion, it can lead to hatred, and it can lead to violence as well. Jealousy certainly can destroy relationships. The Bible tells us that King Saul was jealous of David. And from jealousy, it turned to anger and hatred. And eventually, he wanted to kill David. So jealousy is another dangerous emotion. If we do not learn to take control of it, greed. Greed of all forms, all forms of indulgence. Uh, greedy for food will lead to gluttony, right? Some cannot control themselves in certain vices, for example, drinking, smoking, pornography, gambling, all these areas. Are you able to exercise self-control over them? The inability to exercise self-control in all or any of these areas often result in great misery. We sin against God. And secondly, the lack of self-control not only lead to sin against God, but it will also lead to broken relationships. It will lead to broken relationships. It destroys our relationship with others. When we do not exercise self-control over our emotion and passion, it will eventually cause us to offend or sin against others. Yes, all sin ultimately is sin against God, but we also sin against fellow people. And so in this case, David's lack of self-control caused him to sin against Bathsheba, uh, she sinned against her body. And of course, she had a strained relationship with, with Uriah. Uriah was a good soldier. Uriah came back innocently, thought that the king was happy with him, gave him a holiday. But David felt very uneasy in Uriah's presence. Not because of Uriah had done something wrong, but because he himself had done something wrong. He has sinned against Uriah. So much so that David decided to get rid of Uriah and it destroyed the relationship between the two of them. In Genesis chapter 4, the Bible gives an another account of Cain and Abel. Both of them are sons of Adam and Eve. And one day both of them decided to bring an offering before God. 
And the Bible tells us, uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 onward, it says it was time for the harvest and Cain presented some of his crop as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs from the flock. The Lord accepted Abel's and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. His gift was not accepted by God, nothing to do with his brother. The brother did him no wrong. The brother did not interfere in his worship. But it's only that God did not accept his sacrifice because he did not offer it in the probably the right type or maybe the attitude, God see the attitude or heart, God did not accept. And therefore, he became very angry. I believe that anger is also due to jealousy, jealous about the brother. And let's see what God, uh, 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 what God said to Cain, verse 6. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Here is a warning that God gave to Cain. Watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. In other words, God is telling him that you must rule over it. What is a sin? The anger is a sin. He was very angry. And God said that your anger is a sin and is crouching at your door. It's going to destroy you unless you do something about it, unless you overcome it, unless you exercise self-control and rule over your anger. God has given him warning. God has advised him to rule over his anger, but Cain did not. Can you imagine? It was not the brother. The brother did him no wrong, but he was just angry. He allowed the anger to take hold of him. It not only destroyed his relationship with his own blood brother, but also destroyed his relationship with God. And as a result, he killed Abel. The first crime of murder was committed in the Bible, in the human race, by Cain who killed his own blood brother. And here is the deadly combination of jealousy and anger. Let me tell you, the combination of jealousy and anger is very, very dangerous. It oftentimes, this thing takes place in the workplace, jealousy. Jealous over a colleague, jealous over somebody else's promotion, jealous over somebody else's you know, performance and achievement. And that jealousy can lead to anger and even hatred. Very dangerous combination. And it can also take place in the family too. So therefore, watch out. That's what God said. Watch out. Do you have this problem with you? This kind of emotional problem? Watch out. Can you think of a time? when your lack of self-control has affected your relationship with others? If so, have you regretted it? Maybe in your anger, you blurted out some very nasty words that hurt your friend, so much so that it strained both of your relationship even until today. Or maybe due to your jealousy, there is a lot of sibling rivalry and there's no peace in the home because of all the sibling rivalries that was going on. Maybe some people, or some of you, I don't know, could not control some bad 
habits. You cannot control your gambling, drinking habit, and as a result, it destroys your marriage, it destroys your family. Or do you have a habit that you cannot control that's hindering your relationship with those around you? May the Lord bring to light this morning as you listen to this message. Is there an area you realize that it's really, you know, you don't exercise self-control? It actually becomes a stumbling block to your faith and to your growth in Christ. I just mentioned some examples, but there are many more. Uh, you may be struggling in some other area that you are able, unable to control. It can even be our thoughts life. What do you put in your mind? What have you been thinking all days long? What have you been thinking when you are free, nothing to do, have with an idle mind? Is there something that's pleasing to God or, is, is, or are you already, you know, entertaining the thoughts of sin in your mind? Pray that at the end of this message, you can turn this over to the Lord. You see, a Christian who exercises self-control will not be destroyed by anger or jealousy or any other negative emotion or attitude. Neither will he or she destroy other people. When you don't let this thing destroy you, you will not destroy others. But when this thing takes control of you, it not only destroys you, but you turn out, you know, unknowingly, you can also destroy the people around you. So according to the proverb, but people who rule their own spirits is better than people who rule over a city. Are you able to rule over your spirits? Are you able to put those different types of emotion, especially negative emotion, negative thought, or, bad, or negative passion, fleshly passion, under control? This is very important. And thirdly, the lack of self-control also affects the way we relate ourselves. Not only, you know, it causes us to sin against God, it leads to broken relationship, but it also uh, affects the way we relate to ourselves. It leads to low self-esteem and a poor testimony. It leads to low self-esteem and a poor testimony. It affects our testimony, it affects our self-esteem or self-image. It may even destroy our reputation. When you sin against God and against others, you usually do not feel good about yourself, isn't it? Any one of you, after having sinned, well, you just brush it aside. Okay, uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, nothing wrong. Uh. I don't think so. You feel bad. You don't feel good yourself because as a Christian, we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will bring to mind the things that we have uh, done wrong, you know, the wrong attitude, you know, and uh, the bad attitude or the words that we say wrong. Right? And there are times that you get upset with yourself for the lack of self-control. Have you ever got upset with yourself? There were times I got angry with myself. I got upset with myself. Have you ever got upset with yourself? You get so angry with yourself. Why am I like that? You know? Why do I do this kind of thing? Why do I have the kind of thought? Why can't I control myself? And even worse, you may even start to hate yourself. This is where some people hate themselves. They don't want to live. Some people commit suicide, yes, due to pressure, but some people, because they hate themselves, they cannot take it anymore. And let's see how the lack of self-control affected both David. Right? And if we have time to talk about it, okay, let's look at David. Right? 
David felt broken and separated from God as we have read just now. He said, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not banish me from his presence. He didn't feel good. And you realize that David lost his testimony and reputation as a king. And he wanted to make right and listen to his prayer of repentance again. And now go back to Psalm 51. We want to look at verse 12 to verse 15, how David began to see himself. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. I already say he lost the joy and he longed for the joy of the Lord. He said, restore to me. I want to be able to rejoice in you again. He said, then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. So in other words, David said, I want to make right and I want it to serve as a lesson to others. He said, Lord, if you forgive me, and I make right with you again, I'm going to use my experience. I, I'm going to use it as a lesson to show others, to teach others. And I believe David did it. With this psalm that many of us read, especially in your down moment, especially when you had committed sin against God, probably this is a psalm you turn to. Personally, I have turned to this psalm many times. And I pray this prayer many times. I make this psalm, this prayer, my own prayer. When I feel that I have sinned against God, I have failed. And I pray the same thing with David. And indeed, David had made his own failure a lesson to others. And that was his desire. Verse 14, Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saved. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. He pleaded for forgiveness. And verse 15, Unseal my lips, O Lord that my mouth will praise you. He wanted to be able to praise and worship again because just now I say that he could not rejoice, he could not praise God. You will not be able to worship God when you have sinned in your life. And so in this case, David said, unzip my mouth. I want to be able to sing praises. I want to have a, my spirit to be liberated again because of the forgiveness of God. You have time to read through the whole psalm. I'm just extracting out some of the emotions of David, how he repented before God and how it affected him personally when he failed to exercise self-control that led him to sin. The prayer was full of regrets. The prayer was full of anguish. And he did not justify his own action. There was no justification at all. He did not give excuses. He knew that only he himself was responsible. He could not shift the blame to somebody else, and it was his own lack of self-control that landed him in such a situation. He had destroyed his own testimony. And recently, there was another news of road rage, a road bully. And in this case of road bully, it seemed that there was this, you know, lady who made an illegal U-turn, and then when he was reprimanded by another U road user, she went into a road rage, uh, abusive, and so on and so forth. And then later, they found out, they identified her as a professor of a local university. A professor of a local university. And she went into road rage. Well, when this was identified, she lost her reputation. And so the university was launching an investigation about her. Right? And she had to make an apology. And the university said that they do not condone her action and so on and so forth. You see, sometimes in our lack of self-control, we bring shame to ourselves. Right? It destroys our testimony. It destroys our 
reputation. So what are we going to do? How do you view yourself this morning? Do you find yourself living in an imbalanced life, unable to control your emotion, unable to control your desire, your passion, unable to control even your own action? How do you feel when you lose your cool and blurted out something that you shouldn't say? How do you feel when you keep giving into a bad habit or sin which you are unable to rule over? Do you hate yourself for failure to control your excessive desire or keep falling into temptation? Worse still, if it leads to a certain form of addiction. How do you feel? Are you suffering from low self-esteem due to your inability to rule over certain areas of your life? If so, what can we do? It's easy to say, exercise self-control, but how? How? Self-control is not merely a self-mastery as what some psychologists say. Some people may suggest, oh, you just do some, you have to reform yourself by going through certain uh, therapies, by, you know, doing certain things. Yes, psychologists or counselors, uh, they, they do not based on the word. They will tell you different uh, steps, different therapies that can help you. Well, it may help you uh, in your behavior a little, but I believe as people, as children as, of God, as Christian, it's not so much to do with the reforming of our behavior, external reforming, but it had to do with the transformation from the inside out. We had to be transformed. We had to be changed from the inside out. When the inner being is being transformed, it's being controlled by the Holy Spirit, then the external behavior will reflect the image of Christ. So for Paul, self-control was not really a human achievement. You don't just do it by your own human effort. I'm sure all of us have tried and we have failed. It's not a, uh, it's not a human achievement, but it's linked with love, joy, peace, etc. In other words, it's linked with the fruit of the Spirit because one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. In 2 Peter verse 1, it says that it linked self-control with characteristics of faith, knowledge, and steadfastness. So you notice that all these are the qualities of the Spirit and therefore we need to surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit that He may help us to overcome our excessive behavior and our excessive, our excessive reaction. In other words, to the Christian, self-control involves self-surrender to God's control. Self-control involves self-surrender to God's control. We ask the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in our life. We surrender to Him. We allow Him to do the work in us, to transform us from the inside out. And the reason we need the Holy Spirit help is that, that it's too difficult to exercise self-control over this fallen, sinful nature within us. With our own effort, we are bound to fail most of the time. But thank God, the Holy Spirit can do the work in our life. When we make room for Him, when we learn to surrender to Him, then He will be the one that helps us. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Let us then cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our life.
So some steps to exercise self-control, and this has nothing to do with what you ought to do, you know, the therapist, no. But these are things that we all can do. We renew our mind and have good thoughts. And how do we renew our mind? Read the word. Renew our minds. Right? Whatever that's good, whatever that is pure, whatever that is lovely, whatever that is honorable, the Bible says, think of this thing. And we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Right? Confess our sin to God. Confess to one another, especially those that we have sinned against. Confess it to the person. Ask for forgiveness. Uh, seek godly advice. Seek godly counsel and help. And something practical you can do. Remove the triggers. The triggers mean things that trigger your excessive behavior. If you realize that certain things will trigger you into sin, certain things will, will, will cause you to, will tempt you into doing things that you know, you know, uh, uh, cause you to fall into temptation, Remove those triggers as much as you can. So self-control is clearly of value to God. The exercise of self-control is one way that we can display God to others. We can display God to others because God himself is self-controlled. He is patient while we are just sinner. Christ died for us. He is still merciful towards us. The sinner. He is not wishing that anyone should perish, but everyone to come to eternal life. God's self-control, right? That he does not simply lash out his anger upon mankind. So therefore, when we exercise self-control, we display God. We become a good testimony of him. And exercise self-control also protects our soul because it keeps our enemy away. It keeps our enemy from gaining a foothold over us. And it keeps sin from having upper hand in our life, in our thoughts, in our word, and in our action. So, let me close with Proverbs 25, 28 again. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Let's rebuild the walls of our life. And may the Holy Spirit help us in our self-control. Uh, let's just look to the Lord. And let's just, you know, reflect upon this message. And perhaps God is speaking to you in certain area of your life. As a musician come in, you know, and uh, prepare us to sing a song. Let it be a song of our prayer to God, a song of surrender, a song of asking God to help us. And you're struggling in certain areas of your life you realize that you lose self-control in those areas far too often. It could be emotions. It could be passion. It could be action, behavior, conduct. Whatever it is that you find that you are not able to rule over. But today, pray that the Holy Spirit will help us. God has given Cain the warning, watch out. And today, God may just be giving you the same, same warning, watch out. Maybe God is telling you, watch out for your anger. Maybe God is telling you, watch out for the jealousy. Maybe God is telling you, watch out for that you know, particular area of habits you are doing. It's going to lead you down. Watch out. Right? Watch out your thoughts life. Watch out because there are certain things that you input in your mind. It's really no good for you and it's already affecting you. And slowly, you know, it's eating you up. Watch out. Maybe God is already giving you warning today. And I trust that all of us will turn it over to God. 